Welcome to the Serie A Show. everybody we are back with a absolutely packed edition of the CDA show i hope you're all doing very very well chloe nima uh we we seemed like the the top subject for this one was going to be the intriguing and very exciting match between uh inter and juve but milan 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 um for anyone who's been on social media over the last few hours there's a certain trend that is happening worldwide on twitter and it is simply Pioli out. And that represents Chloe, Stefano Pioli, who is rumored to be closing in on replacing uh, Marco Giampaolo at the club. What is there to say? I mean, this is an absolute mess. An absolute mess. It's it's diabolical. And, it, and you know, Milan Twitter has exploded. And, and I can see why, to be honest. I mean, Stefano Pioli is... Um, you know, he's a former Fiorentina manager, as we know. And as a man, as a person, there isn't anybody better. He he is, um, you know, so admirable and so um, honourable in the way that he goes about his work. However, um, he has serious, serious limitations as a coach. And um, if Milan were going to sack Gattuso, fail with, Giampaolo and then appoint Pioli. Why, why didn't they just keep Catuzzo? It, it, it makes no sense. And, you know, Pioli might come in and, well, he, he probably will come in and, and steady the ship. He'll he'll get them playing in a more steady fashion than, than Giampaolo has done. But he, he's not the man to take them forward. And apart from that, they're, they're all mad that he's a self-confessed Interfan too. Can we just talk about how poor this planning was by Maldini, Bolban, Masada? I mean, I don't think there is anybody who is free of blame here because this is just terrible planning. Terrible. As an Inter fan and someone who's been covering Inter on a daily basis for the past seven years, I'm absolutely amazed at how Milan are repeating the same mistakes that Inter did. Um, it's it's unbelievable. I mean, they interappointed Frank de Boer, a coach that they should never have appointed, which which is the same thing we, we can say about Giampaolo. Then they sacked him and brought in Stefano Pioli, and things went well. He steadied the ship exactly like Chloe said, but then things deteriorated and he was sacked. And and basically, it's it, it it's a lost season once again for Milan. This is an absolute shambles. Um. You know, I I don't I completely understand the anger and the frustration and the disillusion with that all Milan fans uh, are experiencing, uh, because you know Stefano Pioli, it's it's not against him as a person. It's it's how this club is being mismanaged. You know, Stefano Pioli is not the manager that. Should that Milan is going to build around Stefano Pioli is exactly like Chloe said. He's just a guy who who steadies the ship. He's it's just it shows the sheer incompetence of of uh, this um, of this management. And 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 I'm really surprised because I was really I was very positive when when Milan when Milan appointed Maldini and Boban. Um, but then as soon as Leonardo left and the manner in which he left, that started raising warning flags. 
and now it is a complete mess. It's a complete mess. Um, they obviously didn't have time to uh, to wait for Spalletti and Inter to resolve their differences, and and that is just a com- completely separate issue on its own. But this is just awful, awful, awful planning. Completely awful planning. And think about it. They spent a lot of money uh, on, on the transfer window as well to get players that that um, uh, that, that Gianpaolo wanted. And now that has been completely torn apart. So what now? Because, I mean, remember, this is a club that's been sanctioned by UEFA for breaching financial fair play regulations. I mean, it's, it's, com- it's a complete mess. It's a complete and utter mess. I just have a hard time in in believing that in all of this, that the name that they landed upon was Stefano Pioli. I, I, this this just seems so illogical. Well, he's never he's never done that before. He's never qualified for the Champions League um, with another team. He's a he's a mid table guy. He's yes. you know he he's not. It, 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 I know it would have been a massive case of swallowing humble pie, but. If they were going to go with Pioli, they would have been better going to Gattuso and saying, look, can, will you give this another chance? We were wrong about you. And, uh, you, you know, he, he was learning. We, we talked about the fact that he maybe had a glass ceiling on what he can achieve um, at a club like Milan who want the Champions League. But let's, let's not forget, they only missed out on the Champions League qualification by one point when he was in charge. And, you know, I think in a way it would have been better to adjust expectations and say, look, we're not the side that we were in the past. Um, We're going to have to start this rebuild project and it might be slow and we might have to learn alongside Gattuso, but at least we're moving in the right direction rather than, oh, scrap that, let's start a new project now. And, you know, these problems run really really deep and they they started with with Berlusconi and the fact that you know he he wasn't going to put any more money in um and it's it's I mean I guess he was mismanaging them even before that if you think about it but you know it it goes really deep and and Milan have got almost like an existential crisis that they've come from um winning all these trophies to then all their players got old all at once. Um, and and now they're under the ownership of, of this hedge fund. And, you know, we've all seen examples in, in, in other countries, especially of um, owners that have come in who don't have the, the club's best interests at heart. And, you know, I, I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that Elliot are deliberately not doing a good job. I'm just saying that um, they, they're not football people that you know and and they they've brought in Maldini and Boban and and you know they're they're from the old times as well they can't just keep going back to where we were so successful in the past because it's ruining their future I think in my opinion the 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 best thing that can happen to Milan now is what happened to Inter when Suning a a big, huge conglomerate, uh, international conglomerate that is, you know, that with their stature, their competence, like that kind of rich and competence, comes in and buys the club from uh, the the Elliot, uh, from from Elliot, this Elliot hedge fund, and and starts building uh, from scratch, from the top to bottom, just like Suning did. 
um, because this is again, you know, again with with the, you know, I think I see so much of what of what happened at Inter. Uh, it, uh, happening at me, not Milan now, and 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 this is you know for me this is just history repeating itself. But I I really expected Milan to have learned from from the mistakes that Inter did, but instead they've they've not only they're not only repeating it, but in some aspects they're even making it worse. One hundred percent. And the thing I find most ironic is somebody. I I, I apologize for who you are. They they tweeted out uh, the front page of an old La Gazzetta dello Sport. One of the quotes from Maldini is, and I believe this was at the time when they had that very weird, mysterious owner who claimed he was rich, but he really wasn't rich. And Maldini said they're destroying Milan and. A bit ironic now that really don't seem to be in a much better position now than they were at that moment. It's very difficult to understand and come to terms with how they've gotten here because it just seems like an utter failure from top to bottom from everybody. You would think just by dumb luck somebody could get this right at one point. I mean, we're going on six, seven years where they've done nothing now. They haven't gotten any single appointment right and they just continue with this uh, with this merry-go-round of disaster ownership, disaster managers. Nima, I just find it so difficult to understand. It, this just seems like, okay, you're bringing in Pioli. It just almost seems like you're resetting the clock and you're adding another two years to the timeline on this. Exactly, exactly. And that is why Milan fans are so angry, because it shows literally no ambition. It shows... That they, they the club doesn't seem to know what they're doing. They're just basically throwing the dice in the air and hope hoping for the best outcome, and and that and this this is on top of the six seven years that you spoke about, and it's completely unacceptable. So I com- I I completely understand why they're so upset, why they're so angry, and they have every justification in the world to be. Um, I again, as I said, I think the only way to to resolve this is to bring in a big you know a huge international conglomerate that 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 knows what they're doing that 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 is modern and can modernize this club from top to bottom um because if we if we're completely honest Boban and and Maldini have done worse than Mirabelli and Fasone <laughs> which ev- and that, that is that is quite wow yeah that i mean exactly that, let's let's be honest that was that that's a feat feat in and of in and of itself you know, so I am really, really, I'm not, I'm really upset, and I really feel bad for Milan, uh, because the Serie A needs a good Milan. Uh, the Serie A needs a strong Milan, uh, because Milan can 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 compete internationally together with Juve and Inter, and we need that. In, the Italian football needs that. So let's move to the other. Uh, we're we're going to start calling you psychic, Nima, because you called this Sampdoria thing from the very start. Sabio Di Francesco out and Ferrero. I don't know what this guy's thinking. I don't know where his head is at. He wants to sell the club. He gives um, uh, exclusive negotiation rights to Gianluca Viali. Viali's group they pull out, saying that Ferrero is requesting too much for Sampdoria. So now Ferrero is without a prospective buyer for the club. He's looking for a new manager as well now. If you want to talk about messes, um, Sampdoria should be lucky that Milan are in this uh, are in this bit of a disaster because otherwise they would be the ones in the spotlight because 
they're not in much better shape. No, exactly, exactly, and and it's and it's so and to me this was so pre- like it, it for me it was predictable. This was so predictable because Eusebio Di Francesco. I mean, if you if even if you like watched him poorly and badly, you know that he is not a guy who can. Who, who can steady the ship? He's not a guy to to have when 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 you have turbulence at a club, and that is what Sampdoria have had. Now, what one thing that you have to you have to say is is that they only sold two players this summer, but it was two very important players. So they they really shouldn't be in 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 the relegation zone. Uh, they should be you know a few places you know maybe top in the middle 10th 11th 12th and and that's why uh, you know the the situation it, it, it was so avoidable uh, and and i i don't understand it i i think it's so it's so sad because up until this season the Sampdoria project under Ferrero was actually pretty good it was it was an exciting project they played some good football they had good scouting they they introduced some great players young players and, and and together with the Qualiarella, who was amazing. I mean, it was it was really nice to watch, and and then and then they just completely implode, and and that is just it's it's it's, it's so sad. And now they're talking about Ranieri coming in, and I mean, <laughs> you know, with I have so much respect for Ranieri for what he's done, and I guess he's the right man to you know steady the ship, etc. But again, where's the ambition? This these last minute. You know, panicked. You know, let's panicked. You know, uh, ch- choices and these panicked uh, things that they do. It, come on, you know, it, it's 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 bad. Sampdoria is also a club that, you know, if we look historically, they should be, you know, it, it, between tenth to sixth, seventh, and possibly compete in Europe and and do do well there. You know, they, but now they're they're a complete mess, and and now they have to they have to now. Whoever they appoint is going to have to battle to avoid relegation. That that's how bad the situation is. Speaking of battling for Europe, Chloe. Uh, so Montella got a lot of stick for not winning in quite a long period of time at the beginning of the season. But here we go, Fiorentina. They rip off another victory. Nima said it. They are in the hunt for a European place now. I I think, given the struggles of Milan, Roma continue to drop points. They keep drawing with everybody. Uh, Fiorentina, they're sitting at 11 points. Uh, you have Cagliari at 11. You have Lazio at 11. You have Roma at 12. You had Napoli sitting in fourth with 13 points. Uh, they've gone from bottom of the table to look out. They could actually do this. Yeah, and if you look at the fixtures after the international break as well. Um, Extremely kind. Yeah. Extremely kind. Yeah, some, some really nice looking fixtures that are all really winnable. Um I was very pleased with the uh, win over Udinese because um, Udinese made it incredibly difficult for Fiorentina. They 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 actually dug in and they were very determined to try and go for a nil nil, um, which when you when you play without a striker is actually it's actually pretty difficult um, to break them down. But Fiorentina kept going. They didn't lose their um, heads or their shape. They they just, it, it was calm. Like they had a plan. They knew what they were doing and that they were confident they were going to win anyway. Um, and uh, I have to say, when Udinese did attack, that um, Martin Caceres has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, he, he was brilliant uh, again in Montella's back three. Um, and they... 
you know, they're just, they, they really are a team and they, they look, um, they look like they're getting stronger every week. Um, I mean, you know, it's one thing to, to go to San Siro and, and wow everybody with a brilliant performance. But when, when you're battling against a, a team who are really hard to break down, those are the games when you can really easily drop points in Serie A. Um, and Fiorentina, the, you know, they, they came through that. And, and now there's another international break. Montella may look to try out uh, a back four and maybe introduce Pedro, who is a new Brazilian striker. Um, and and it's, it's just all looking really, really positive at this point. The, the fans are just completely in love with Franck Ribéry. Um, and and it's, it's just everything. It's like Comiso has come in and just released Fiorentina's potential that had been laying dormant for all this time. And it's, it's really so good to see. I absolutely. What I like the most about this Fiorentina is is the fact that this three five two he plays is so different to other three five twos in the sense that with with Chiesa and Ribéry up front he's almost playing with two false nines and the movement that these two that these two you know create and 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 the way they the way they move up around the box and the way they go outside and then the midfielder fills in it's it's really difficult to play them. I really hope he doesn't change things Montella and then he continues with this with this lineup because Fiorentina are looking so solid in midfield in defense in attack and they're an absolute joy to watch in my opinion they're right now the they together with Atalanta play the most entertaining football in in all of Serie A yeah that's a good shout um well I'm sure we'll talk about Atalanta more coming up because I think we might have exaggerated a bit their uh, their early struggles but, Nima, let's get to the Derby. I, I can only imagine what you have to say. So go ahead. First thoughts. How are you feeling? What did you What did you think of the match? I Listen, I, I thought, listen, I, I think maybe people are saying Juve was, I think people are over-exaggerating the, the gulf between the two. I saw a lot of people saying Juve could have won by more. I, I thought it was actually pretty balanced, but what did you make of it? It was pretty balanced for sure, but but it was but there's no doubt looking at the entire game that Juve were better, uh, that Juve deserved their win. There's no doubt about that. They uh, and, and and I think the reason they won and how they won uh, is is it was was also very telling as to the difference between these teams. I mean Juve wanted to sell players a lot of players in the summer because they because Sarri felt that he had too much quality and and that was going to cause problems um but shocker but the ones who they wanted to sell were the ones who scored exactly and and the ones and those are the ones that have really adapted and he's also changed and he started rotating and he's changed his his formation and and started getting i mean Dybala and Ronaldo together were wow what what a duo up there they were fantastic um, and, and, you know, with all due respect to Matthias Vecino, who's done so much good for, for Inter, but, you know, when, 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 you, when Stefano Sensi is injured, they bring in Matthias Vecino, Inter bring in Matthias Vecino, Inter, uh, Juve bring in Gonzalo Higuain, and they bring in Emre Can and Bentancur. There's 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 a there's a difference in quality here, and there's just no a doubt bit. about that. Just yeah, a I mean, bit. let's let's be honest. It's it's a huge difference in quality, and 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 that that I mean the same thing with Godin. When Godin got injured, they brought in Alessandro Bastoni, who's a youngster who is really well, who's, who did really well. 
but his mistake on the goal is is the, is why you know he he was he missed his his, uh, his 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 position and that's why Juve scored the winner and and they scored a winner after 24 27 passes so this this i think the, what the exaggeration has been so so much or i i think the criticism against Juve in the beginning of this season has been so exaggerated of course it's going to take time to to adapt to a to a coach like Sarri who's a, who's an ideologue you know allegri being a pragmatic guy this guy is an ideologue and and it's going to take time but they they still won and when it starts clicking the more matches they get together and starts clicking then it looks better and better and better and against inter it looked fantastic i think juve were were great they were they they played so well and and dybala and ronaldo up front were wow um they were they i mean that is if they can maintain this form and they can improve this is a side juve can seriously be a contender for the champions league absolutely no discussion i think like like you said john that the gap between the two of them has been exaggerated and i think in a way um the, the the fact that Inter had won their first six games and then go into this really exciting clash. Um, you know, I think even some comments from Inter fans that I saw on Twitter were like, oh, you know, we, we're, we're nowhere as good as we think we are. And, you know, they're a bit despondent, which I can understand because if it was me having lost a big game like that after so much build-up, I would be disappointed too. But I think you need some perspective because... Yes, we know Juve are good. They've won the last eight titles. And although they've changed their approach, that that mentality and that, that um, winning structure and ethos is still there throughout the club. But into um, the way that they played, like Nima said, the substitution, they didn't really have the same quality that Juve had on the bench and, and that kind of hurt them. But... They they will continue to squash teams um, further down the table. You know, anybody Juve and below, they will continue to win. Antonio Conte is very experienced and he knows how to win and he loves winning and everything's geared towards winning. So they, they've is nothing to be despondent about really because they're going to they're going to carry on being good it's not the whole world didn't end because they lost to Juve even though maybe it felt a little bit like that no absolutely absolutely the world I mean I I, I still think I mean I, I never thought that Inter were going to win the Scudetto so I'm not you know to me that was a bit exaggerated so I, I think hey that, Chloe died yeah, yeah. Not I'm sorry guys I'm, I'm sorry guys but it's not going to happen the quality the quality you have is just too much and you you have to be able to 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 repeat that and, and Inter I think will struggle at times um and but one thing that I'm a little bit worried about uh, there's actually two or three things that I'm really wor- that I'm starting to really worry about at at Inter and that is before before appointing Antonio Conte on this pod, I said I was I was against that appointment because I was worried that Milan Skriniar would struggle. Now against lesser teams, he looks good, he looks okay. But against the best teams like Barcelona and Juve, he looks very out of place in that back three. Um, and and that is a worry to me because he's really important. He's a leader on the pitch, and when he's not not able to deliver and lead there's this becomes like a vacuum 
um, in that in, in 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 leadership on the pitch, and I'm and that is something I'm worried about. Yeah, I can I can, I can see what you mean. He, he did look shaky at times, um, but I, I suppose the thing with Inter is that. Um, I hate to say it, but in stark contrast to their Milanese neighbours, they are actually building to close the gap to Juve off the pitch as well as on it. And off the pitch is, is just as important, if not more, because that off the pitch is where Juve have built their dominance from, um, from owning their own stadium and, and, and becoming an ultra-modern club. And Inter are moving in that, right direction and they're moving in that right direction quicker than any other side in Serie A so I think there's a lot to be positive about because um you know it's all kind of coming together and and whilst okay they're not Juve yet they they are a hell of a lot closer than they have been and they're a lot closer than anybody else's as well but it's taken one summer for Inter to really close that gap in my opinion I don't know what you two think but I feel as if uh, Inter have closed that gap a lot quicker than, than anybody has in in recent history in the city yeah. I agree with that I agree very I agree completely with that and I think and that has to do with exactly what Chloe said just a moment ago the off the pitch uh, stuff that Suning have done the structure they have put in place has been so um, important and and has been so well thought out and is and it's worked out so well so that once they were able to bring in someone like Marotta and, and, and Conte, it was it was very easy, it became much easier to click because the structure was already in place. So um, I, I think I think that is that is why, although it looks like it was just one summer to score to to, to close that gap. In fact, it's 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 been a uh, hard work, consistent work, and 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 you know very lo- you know very thought out pro- project for the past three years from Suning, and that's paying dividends now. And as we are recording this, uh, Marco Giampaolo, they arrived at Milanello, and it looks like they are going to be free officially within the next couple of hours. So can you believe this is actually going to happen, guys? I, I, I'm just still mystified by this. So, 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 so horrible. So incredibly short-sighted, too. But also, if you look at, if you look at the Genoa game, in that second half... Milan came to life and it seemed like they were fighting for Giampaolo and I thought well okay he's still got the dressing room so you know they, they, then then he won't get sacked and then they they still sack him I mean it, I, 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 don't, I don't understand yeah but but let's be honest I mean they were a penalty save away from still drawing Absolutely. with the Genoa who are about to sack their manager <laughs> well, as well. I guess I guess um I have a sort of thinking about it a slightly different way you just I just kind of because it's so ridiculous to appoint Pioli it just kind of makes you evaluate everything over again and you think would it be more sensible than bringing Pioli in to give Giampaolo a little bit more time to settle down and 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 work things out I mean I mean we've we've covered how he how he's worked in a lot of depth on this pod and we've all said that there's no chance he can turn it around or work it out just because of his body language and his approach. But I don't know. It just, oh, it is just complete madness. It makes you it just makes you wonder if you know. It is is Piola really the answer? I mean, I, I, if if Genoa had appointed him, I'd think, well, that's not so bad. But Milan. <laughs> 
Well, I, Jesus, I, I mean, we're talking about this as a huge crisis, and I, I can understand if you're a Milan supporter how you could understand that things aren't going well. They're not going well. But they're four points off the fourth place in the table. I mean, this is not like they're, you know, 10 points, season's over. I, I mean, this is still relatively early in the season. And, and that's why I think appointing someone like Spalletti with a proven track record of finishing in the top four, with a proven track record of being able to handle crazy big clubs where the pressure is immense uh, would be the ideal solution but obviously Milan offered him exactly what he's earning at, at Inter but the difference is that he's Spalletti basically told Inter that either you pay me every single euro you owe me or you or, or I'm not I'm not you know that's what I want or, or else I'm not I'm, I'm gonna I'm not gonna agree to terminate the contract and and I think he felt I think the reason for that is because he feels really he feels betrayed by Inter the fact that when he was there he couldn't get any of the players he wanted and they had no money but as soon as Conte comes in they start spending like nobody's business um so I think a lot of it is, has to do with his 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 pride and and you know and we all know that when it comes to being stubborn i don't think i there has there are many more stubborn people on earth than luciano spalletti like when he get when he gets something yeah i mean when he gets an idea in his head that's it you know he's that, posting pictures on social media of himself working in his vineyard i mean it is it, it's got to be worth it for him financially to to uh to quit his vineyard and and go and work in that like environment of absolute chaos at Milan and be up for all that stick and and everybody's criticism like I I can kind of understand why he said well give me the full money or it's not worth it to me because I, I think I'd rather stay on the vineyard to be honest. Well even if we're talking from a pure tactical on the pitch standpoint I think his 4-2-3-1 with this Milan would actually fit perfectly and it's astounding to me that that seems to be one of the talking points that seems to be thrown to the wayside. I think for, from a managerial tactical standpoint, Spalletti is the perfect one right now, yeah? I agree 100% with that. And, and I tweeted it out as well yesterday that I think that this squad is, is actually more of a, of a Spalletti squad than Inter's squad was when he took over that. Um, so, no, I, I think it's incredibly short-sighted for that. But, but, I mean, as you said, I mean, that vineyard, I mean, anyone who's been in Tuscany, I wouldn't leave a vineyard as well if I was being paid 5 million euros a year for another three weeks. <laughs> I'd probably stay there until the end of time, you know, like... <laughs> yeah, with 5 million in your pocket, you could have a very good life yeah, there. 5 million euros per year for another two and a half years, I mean, come on. There were quite a few places I rather would have been a vineyard included instead of watching Roma um, at the weekend. Can, can I ask you something? Sorry to interrupt. I don't understand the, the the meltdown that Roma had. Can you explain that to me? Uh, you mean just in regards to uh, their their qualms with the refereeing? Yeah, because they make it sound as if he just, I don't know, like the hand, the, I don't get it. Well, they, they've been, in, in fairness, and I, I am one who despises blaming the referee. I think it's cowardice at many times. Roma do have a genuine gripe with the refereeing decisions they've been handed over the last few weeks. Uh, in the third or fourth minute against Lecce, there was a very clear handball, the most clear handball you'll ever see. Um, it doesn't go to VAR, the referee rules. It isn't a handed ball when, I mean, anybody with a working set of eyes could have noticed that that one was without question a handed ball um Bologna they had another one very clear handball they weren't awarded a penalty and then in this one 
I, I don't even know what that was at the end where Kalinic, he scores. It looks like Roma win. Pisacane of Cagliari looks, he goes down as if there was a sniper in the uh, Monte Mario stand of the Stadio Olimpico just sniping at him. Um, I, I hope they caught the shooter because the poor guy went down like uh, like a ton of bricks. So the referee ruled that it was a foul. Roma insists that it wasn't whistled a foul and that it should have gone to VAR. Um, I, I think they were hard done by that. I, I do think it was a goal. Now, does that excuse Roma not getting the ball in the back of the net? Absolutely not. They had plenty of opportunities. They created a ton. Um, I, I just thought overall it was a poorly refereed affair. And I do think Roma do have a genuine gripe in this instance to sort of feel a bit hard done. The goal that Cagliari had came from a non-existent foul that was called on Amaru Diawara. It was shocking to me. This this whole Nima, you 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 tell me it on Twitter every time, and I feel like reaching through the phone and just smacking you because I get so angry with this <laughs> explanation that we've get. It's got to be a clear and obvious foul. Uh, how uh, how subjective is that? What the hell does that even mean? Listen. Well, that's exactly uh, it. It's a subjective. Well, that's what. Well, that's here's what my it is. issue. Here's my issue. The the so Roma. They, they get a, a penalty awarded against them because they say that Mancini handed the ball. And it came, th- this handed ball came from a free kick. Now, this free kick was incorrectly ruled a foul, and Amaru Diawara was booked. He was given a yellow card. So, if they can review this handed ball on Mancini, why can the very, uh, it, it was very, very obvious, and I'm not just saying this because I'm bitter, but it, it was very obvious that Diawara, he got the ball on this free kick. It was very, very clear, extremely clear. So if you can review the handed ball, why can the action that not leads to that handed ball also be reviewed just 15 to 20 seconds before? I don't understand this because it's it, to me it's absurd, absolutely absurd. Well, look, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying, um, but that that is how the rules work. That is what IFAB decided uh, that 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 it should be that some things should not be able to be reviewable, some things should be, and you have to draw the line somewhere. I I personally think that it you need to draw the line somewhere, but where do you draw the line? I don't know. I don't even profess to know. I just know that it needs to be coherent. It needs to be um, it needs to be very clear, and and it needs to be applied every week in and week out and not arbitrarily which is the issue here i mean the that's handball the he- biggest problem biggest problem we have right now in the city yeah the biggest yeah, yeah it's, it's the ref it's the referees themselves it's not necessarily the technology itself it's correct you know they're, correct. they're not they're sometimes choosing not not to check it and you know there was um, an incident in the fiorentina game um where udinese looked to have scored they um it, it looked to be a legitimate goal, but when you, there, all the Fiorentina players appeal for it, and when you looked at the replay, actually the cross that came in for the goal was batted in with the guy's hand. Um, so the referee very quickly uh, went to the VAR, checked it, ruled it out. There was no um, big, huge break in the game. There was no delay. There was no problem because the referee applied the rules as they should be applied, and that's. You know, when when it's done like that, it's absolutely fine. It doesn't detract from the experience. It's not it's not a problem. But when you've got inconsistency in how it's applied, it just makes fans furious. And you know, I was with Nima. I didn't see why Roma 
were going so over the top. I mean, obviously, it's very disappointing when you think you've won the game and then you haven't. Um, but, you know, I, I actually didn't really think that was a goal. I thought there was a bit of a push and a foul. Um, but I can understand if it's... Uh, if like listening to you, John, and saying that it's a build-up of frustration over lots of little things that's caused cause this big outburst, and it's the referees themselves that are causing it by not being consistent. That you know, especially in a place like Italy, where conspiracy theories are throughout, you can't be so inconsistent like that. No, because it creates this. It perpetuates this. You know this, 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 this. You know that that we're back to the old days where people are getting bribed and blah 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 blah. And I think another example of that, I th- you know, it's just an example that I that I put on Twitter, put on Twitter because I don't think I want to make this absolutely clear. I don't think that the referee. Oh no, can, I know where you're going. Yeah, oh, I know. I, I have oh, I have no. to say this. Like, look, I don't think that the I don't think that the referees in in Inter Juve were were biased or or were anti Inter or anything like that. I'm just thinking that for me, Gianluca Rocchi, when he starts high-fiving players in the middle of a, in the middle of the match, in the middle of a, of, of the game going on, that does not look good. And he has done this for the better part, better part of a decade. I remember in 2010 when Inter played against Milan, he's talking to Borriello and puts both of his hands around Borriello's cheek, looking at him like, "Oh, my baby, it doesn't look good. Stop doing that." And that's just an example of how this league, as you always say, John, can't get out of its own way. You know, they, 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 they don't get it. They just don't get it. And they make life so much harder for themselves than it needs to be. The inconsistency as to when they decide it needs to be reviewed and not, that needs to be completely fixed. Because, listen, we have instances where they decide not to go to it, great. And then there's other instances where they'll decide to go to it. They take 15 minutes to review the and there's no change. So I don't understand. Somebody needs to lay out perfectly, as you said, Nima. I just need a objective measurement as to what we use to decide when we go to review it versus when we don't. Because th- that's my entire gripe with this thing. Because if you have some guy in Australia who can tell from his couch that the decision is very clear but the, the 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 wrong decision is still made that's the issue that that with me is the biggest problem that we have this technology and in the end we still have wrong decisions being made how is that even possible i, I thought that in the the first year var was introduced that was before uh, ifab and fifa got involved and imposed this uh, this this ridiculous notion of clear and obvious error that, then I thought the VAR looked good. Uh, I thought they used it properly. Uh, there were some kinks, obviously, because it took a little bit of time. But the way that they applied it, I thought, was 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 good and fair. And when they missed things, they they admitted it and said, "Yeah, we should have, you know, blah blah blah." And it was, and and things were were not as heated as they have been these past two seasons, where. You use, for example, in Inter Fiorentina, the D'Ambrosio incident, you use the video and you see it doesn't touch his arm and then you give a penalty anyway? Like you said, it's ridiculous. How can you make the wrong decision when you have the technology? Like, that that to me is, is the biggest problem. And and I think, you know, I, I was told by a, by a journalist colleague about how, for example, the, the, rugby, the rugby World Cup, how they use video uh, technology and how they are very open about their mistakes and 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 stuff like that. I, I thought it was wow. That that sounded like heaven, and 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 it's it's just I I, I just think it's just so 
it's so counterproductive what they're doing because they, then you're going to have people who are always against change saying that VAR is bad and blah, blah, blah. So no, VAR is not bad. It's the people using it that don't know what they're doing. Yeah. And another thing that I would like to see implemented now, I can't vouch for this, but somebody told me in the Dutch league, what they do is they have the referee speak to one reporter, uh, one, uh, there's one journalist, one reporter who is designated as the one to talk with the referee after the match. And they're allowed to ask the referee about the decisions that were made in the match. Why can that not be implemented just for more transparency? I love that. I, I don't understand that because that is something that I think would go a long way. I think that is the best idea I've ever heard. Uh, that would be awesome. Uh, again, transparency. Explain yourselves. Even if you make a mistake and you can just say it afterwards. Okay, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. That's fine. Everyone can, you know, that's fair enough. But this, you know, put the lid on. Nobody says anything and everything just seems weird. It, it doesn't help anyone and it doesn't, it doesn't look good either. Again, the optics, it doesn't look good. What, so what we're saying is sweeping uh, things under the carpet no, is, yeah. is not good? <laughs> because this is what we talk about yeah. nearly all the time you know it, it allows for this it allows for this for it to be more than it needs to be i mean we could be really angry over a decision and actually when the referee comes out and explains himself he could say well actually it was because of this this and this that you didn't see that went on behind the scenes and this is why i made my decision and everybody goes oh okay i get it now and then everybody calms down and and it could it, just the information that we watching do not get could actually help us to understand the process and what's exactly. going on. And it would actually make the referee more of a sympathetic figure because right now, I and as much as it, it this isn't right of us to do, but we almost don't view them as very sympathetic no. humans. You know, we're we're so angry with them, we want to smack them. You want to grab them by the neck and say, you know, what are you doing? Um, if they at least had the opportunity to explain themselves, I'd be able to sympathize with them significantly more because then I'd understand their perspective better. But as you said, Chloe, we're at the point now. We just sweep everything yeah. under the rug. It makes them human. It makes them human if they were to allowed to explain themselves and, and, and we're allowed to, to, to just give, like you said, just one journalist or one person, you know, explaining what they thought. That makes them human. And then that, that makes, you know, then, then it's not just... Because when they're not talking, the only people, you know, then you turn to the, their federation. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it becomes a, a, a non, an organization instead of a person. And, and that, that's, that's why the rage is, is just, you know, is so big. And, and I think they, they need to get out of, they need to help themselves. Help, you know, stop getting, get out of your own way. And so before I have a stroke talking anymore about the city on the referees, that's where we're going to end it. We will be back next week, as I said, after the international break to preview the next match day. So as always, if you could continue to like, share our content, that really, really helps us here. Leave us reviews, whichever platform you're listening to us on. That would be very, very helpful. So as always, until next time, everybody. Bye-bye.